Uh, I can't tell you how many hugs I get and give throughout the course of the <laughs> night from people that come in and enjoy their meal and they just want to say thank you. Six, five, and, and four, three, two, one. You'll never have the sacred stone. <laughs> oh, this new crazy mother. Hi, everyone. Uh, Zach Woods here, your host with Dig In. Uh, today I'm bringing you a very special episode from Bushwick out in Brooklyn. Yes, before the L train shuts down, you should still make a trip. Uh, and even when it does, I think Scott from Otis is going to tell us a little bit about why you still should make the trip. Uh, Scott, would you take a moment to introduce yourself to the group? Yeah, hey Zach, how are you? Thanks for having us on. Uh, my name is Scott. I'm uh, the owner and chef of uh, Otis. We're out here in Bushwick, like he stated already. Uh, yeah, the L train is closing, I think, in 2019. You can still get out here and see us. Even if you're not from Brooklyn, you can still get out and check us out. That's a fact. Uh, G train, G train works. G and the L does work. The L train's actually gonna work from Bedford Avenue out. It just won't be able to get into the city or out of the city. So if you're in Brooklyn anywhere, you can still get here pretty easily. So move to Brooklyn now. Move to Brooklyn now. Where you okay, can. Yeah, so sure. uh, yeah. sure. we're at Dig In, we're probably gonna focus a lot more on restaurants and bars and, and less on uh, mass scale transportation. <laughs> but, if, uh, but if I can make a plug, maybe de Blasio will throw me a dollar or something like that go, to get more go. movement. There you go. Um, so Scott, something that we, we like to kick off with is uh, a segment called Open for Business. Uh, sounds like it sounds like it is uh, we just want to know a little bit about where did Otis start uh, give us some history about the restaurant how long have you been here uh, were you at a previous location um, and maybe a little bit about your culinary history as well well Otis we actually just finished our first year uh, which is kind of a big step I think when you open a restaurant your aim is to survive the first year get through the hurdles and speed bumps that are thrown your way uh, and we hit the ground running back last year in November of 2017 and we're just like plugging away things are happening really well for us uh, we're really fortunate to have solid community around us that supports us well uh, we've sort of become the neighborhood go-to spot from what we understand from our guests that come in uh, and, I, and I honestly like the one year anniversary came up I had no idea like I woke up in the morning my wife's calendar like, yeah my wife's <laughs> like something just popped up saying we just completed our first year and I'm like oh no well, that was quick okay oh my so gosh. Uh, yeah so things are going well in that regard uh, that we did survive the first year that's that was huge for us uh, and we're just kind of like slowly progressing um, when we initially opened we didn't want to do any PR or marketing for the place we mm -hmm. sort of wanted it to be word-of-mouth and organic as some people would say um, and slowly but surely, like the restaurant blossomed and grew into this thing now where it's like, I mean, we're blown away. We get, we've become really good friends with a lot of the guests that come in just because of how often they come. Yeah, so I, can, form, I can second that. Yeah, I mean, you're one, yeah, you're yeah. one to, to show also. Uh, but we have a lot of people that come in three, four, five times a week sometimes. Sometimes they sit here on the couch, have a drink, relax with an appetizer. Sometimes they'll sit at our bar. Other times they'll come in and have dinner parties with, you know, 15, 20 people for birthdays and things like that. So it's a versatile space, which is kind of what we wanted when we created it. Absolutely. Um, part of the space is it's trying to we're trying to use this space in a way that we would use our own apartment if we could. Uh, a nice apartment. If yeah. I well, I mean, yeah, so. I wish we could live this way. <laughs> but, how, you know, we have an open kitchen in the back. And that was really a uh, personal touch that I wanted as a chef. Um, I've worked in so many restaurants and kitchens where you have no idea who you're cooking for. Secluded, totally separation of church and state. That's it. You're downstairs in the basement or you're behind walls and you're so busy. You don't have it in a chance to look out in the, in the audience to see who's there or look at the floor. No. So that was a big thing for me was have an open kitchen so we can cook and entertain and wave and hug and you know all that kind of stuff which we do on a nightly basis here 
Uh, I can't tell you how many hugs I get and give throughout the course of the <laughs> night from people that come in and enjoy their meal and they just want to say thank you and, and us in reverse want to thank them for coming in and supporting us. Absolutely. And I, Absolutely. Think, it's, I think it's been a huge part of our customer service approach, which is just be you, be, be nice, be friendly, be happy. <clears throat> treat the guests like that as well and like so many people come in like man this is awesome it's like we're sitting in your in your dining room or in your kitchen or in your apartment yeah or your, yeah well in your apartment <laughs> in your dining room yeah so anyway so that's been really cool for us um you i think you asked me to touch a little bit on kind of my cooking history and, sure and your background thing. from you know uh, the, the the linkedin <clears throat> the linkedin version couple it's of bullet yeah, points it's, I mean, it's, you to, it's, to do this in the first place my my career is traveled a long ways. I'm probably a little bit older than I'd like to let on, but you know, for the better part of a couple decades, I worked for somebody else. And usually that was with their vision in mind and creating a kitchen uh, and dining experience to help the person who had put the money behind it, basically. Yep. Um, so after doing that for you know better part of two decades or more, uh, my wife looked at me and said, why don't we open our own place? Let's find a spot. And like, let's just do what we, what you know how to do well. And I'm like, all right, so let's, so for two years we looked and we finally found the space. Um, we did a gut renovation. We designed the place ourselves. Fully. Now, now yeah. interesting topic. Were you guys living in Bushwick at the time or you were really on the hunt for the locale that felt like the right place to put the establishment? We actually live in a neighborhood about 10 minutes from here called Bedsty, Bedford Stuyvesant. So it's a it's a really close, commute for me I get here in about 10 minutes yeah um, we were looking anywhere in Brooklyn so basically. anywhere where you could not have to go to Manhattan basically we want yeah we wanted to be in in Brooklyn and we wanted it to be kind of in a nondescript place where maybe there wasn't anything else like us because mm -hmm. that would help us to sort of establish what our vision was without too much competition if you will uh, and we really thought that our vision would work well in a neighborhood like Bushwick where it's up and coming. There's a lot of new developments uh, and there are some great, great places to eat around incredible, here. Incredible, incredible. So all up just, and down the L train. Yeah, all, all around. I mean, within walking distance from us, there's probably a dozen restaurants that we go to all the time regularly because we just love, we love eating out. We love supporting the community. We are, we're happy enough and, and really fortunate to, to uh, sort of get some of their runoff. We had a lot, of, a lot of restaurant owners that reached out to us. Anything we can do to help you? La la la. So it's sort of like a really cool community you have here. You got a lot of great chefs. You got a lot of restaurateurs that are opening this area up. Roberta's was, of course, the first. The, the, the OG. Yeah, they've been they've out. been around for ages, and like we, I, I I go there at least once or twice a month, probably just to have a pizza and sit down and enjoy it. But. You know, we get a lot of people that come over from Roberta's. They have a two or three hour wait often there. Yeah, they're like, maybe looking for a different type of cuisine. Uh, they want to come like, in and even have a, a drink or an appetizer while they're waiting two or three hours for their table there. And then they end up seeing our they, space. They walk in and they say, they're like, wow, okay, this is kind of cool too. Yeah, like, maybe this we'll is a stay. thing. So that's, that's uh, been something that's really beneficial, been beneficial to us uh, is having that kind of like support from the local places. Um, and again, like we're really trying to create a space here where people feel comfortable and so far, we, we, I think from the feedback we're getting from our guests, like it feels like it's working at this point. People come in, they sit, they enjoy themselves. I've had, I can't tell you how many parties we've got booked from like a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife will come in for dinner. And the next week, hey, it's our birthday or it's our anniversary and they'll bring 15 people in for a dinner. Hey, it's know? our one-year-old's birthday. Yeah, well, like, They exactly. won't remember this, but we're gonna celebrate. <laughs> We've had, I've had that. I've had baby showers here, a couple different baby showers actually. We've That's had hilarious. engagement parties, you know, all kinds of fun stuff like that. And our space is is pretty tight, uh, but people love it. It's, it. They feel comfortable here. It's cozy at nighttime. We light up a bunch of candles and dim the lights, and like, 
it's a comfortable place to be. Uh, you know. Side side note: If you want to take a really nice first date, Otis is a good spot. Yeah, yeah I, I, I think, think you brought a date here at yeah, one point. I, maybe I, I, I brought my I, my girlfriend and I yeah, went yeah, a date yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, that yeah. was uh, so I, I can attest to to those diners out there listening uh, yeah. or watching. I mean, it it really has so many of the elements that you described. So to to just sort of give a nod of the cap to that idea that you come in this place and I think that was something that my girlfriend who uh, both of the times we've come we've sat directly in front of the open kitchen right. even though there were other seats sure, sure um, because sure. you know of course I run a podcast and vlog that is focused around restaurants and chefs sure. and the deeper story sure. so seeing that story live and up front was great and I, I can really see the action and I think that's one thing that kept us coming back and I, I can sure. honestly say brought me here for this interview as well I'm glad to hear that yeah, yeah we we like the idea of being uh, open you know we want to be trusted by our guests and like one of those things is like everything we do is right in front of you so there's nothing there's 100%. no hiding anything the products that we use the techniques we use the style with how we cook all that kind of stuff which we don't take it very serious we take it very seriously like the art of it but we don't take ourselves that seriously. seriously so we just have fun with it and like we oftentimes you'll see me making something i'll grab a spoon and throw it in somebody's face and be like hey try this what do you think you know and like <laughs> but people love that because they get a chance to taste things they may not have otherwise tried absolutely and, and that kind of thing so well it's it also is a, a a nod to what makes the open kitchen concept so so new and i think so so unique for diners mm. is that they really have the chance to have scott put a spoon in their mouth yeah. whereas if you're if you're off in the basement how do I even see what you're doing or how do you know that I might be an interested participant in your experiment? Sure. Yeah. In some ways, like you got to eat, we, I got to eat a lot because it's a, I love to, I mean, it's just in my blood. I always want to go out and try the new thing or see new, you know, new uh, operations and what they're doing. So one of the things for us was like having that interactive kind of thing to take place. So we get people to come in often. That's like, they treat this almost as like their dinner and a show. Yep. And we sort of provide that. We're not doing it intentionally. It just happens to be that it's fun to watch people cook sometimes. I, I, didn't I know, love it. I, I didn't know uh, Supreet was considered a show. <laughs> that's one of their uh, phenomenal. Yeah, he, uh, he moonlights. <laughs> one of their phenomenal front of house guys. He, uh, I, we'll, we'll have to let him know that he's got a new gig now. Oh yeah. So, so speaking about the kitchen, uh, what's coming fresh out of the oven lately here at Otis? Um, this could be something from the bar. This could be something from the kitchen. Yeah, sure. Uh, a new product that you've sourced that you really want to find its way on the menu. I, I think the perfect answer to that question, which I didn't realize you were going to ask me that, but a plug for our new brunch. We started doing brunch this past weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday, just this last week was our first brunch service. Yep. Um, our space is open and inviting, like I said before, and we have a lot of natural light. One of the design elements we put in was a giant skylight right over the kitchen and over the dining room. So yep. it brings in a lot of natural light. Uh, when we first conceptualized the space, we decided that brunch would be a big push for us. That would be something we really wanted to capitalize on. For one, I think people love to go out and brunch. I personally don't. I actually despise brunch. I don't, I, I, unfortunately, I think my girlfriend's going to hear this. I'm also not the biggest I'm not a huge brunch guy. But that said, I, I also know like the business needs it to survive. It's sure. a huge part of our business model and all that. Um, so we decided after one year of me procrastinating as long as I could to finally get the doors open for brunch. Uh, one of the things we're doing to make it interesting, at least for me, is we're not doing typical brunch. So okay. you're not going to come in and get eggs Benedict or uh, be careful. You're going to offend. All well, the... they may be offended, but you come in and you try it. You're going to get like a, a lamb pita. So we make our own pita bread in house. We make this beautiful lamb meatball that we use. We do all these crazy sauces that go with it. Right. So, but it's like, it's kind of like you go to halal truck or something like that, but it's like, it's even better because we're making it right there in front of you fresh from scratch. Absolutely. We doing uh, we're doing some really fun things. We're doing a giant cinnamon roll. 
that like people come in and like every table that's been in so far has ordered that and they're all like, oh, give us three to go. And like they're dying over the cinnamon roll. That's hilarious. Um, we do a beef noodle soup, which is kind of like a touch on something I like to eat when I go out. Because we go out for Chinese. That's tremendous hangover food, I'm it's imagining. great hangover food. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. So we're trying to take the, the things from brunch that we go out and enjoy. I'll say we being my wife and I. Because we go out to brunch, but we never go to like your classic American brunch kind of place. We go to Bunker, the Vietnamese place down the street. Gotcha. They, they kill us. Like, it's so good. So we wanted to take elements from places that we go to eat at and bring them here and try to make it non-traditional. Our uh, same with our cocktail program, kind of at brunch, we created all these kind of like classic cocktails, but with riffs on them. Okay. So you'll have like mimosa? a mimosa. We we do like we don't do a mimosa, but we do yes. like a play on a mimosa. Okay. We don't do a bloody mary, but we do like mezcal with chipotle and all these other kind of things. So it's awesome. it's in the style of of a bloody mary, but it's not your classic bloody mary. Awesome. So that those are things that we're trying to do um, brunch wise, where you can come out for the people that don't want to be in this mob scene. We're not like against Instagram, for instance, but we're not like the place to come out where there's going to be pink balloons everywhere and candy popping out of stuff. Right. We want you to get an honest, true, good meal and have that be the, the focal point. Yeah, which uh, I can I can definitely say for me, that's the stuff I want to Instagram because my idea yeah. is to actually dig into yeah. what your story is and not what aesthetic we can create with pink balloons sure. and uh, super fancy dresses and all that kind of stuff sure, that goes sure, with sure, the sure. typical brunch crowd. Our big thing is just like making good food. Yeah. It's like the big, the big, probably the most asked question we have so far um, is, so what kind of food do you do here? And I always kind of smile. I'm like, listen, like we don't really categorize what we do, but if I had to, I would just say it's good food. It's honest, good food. Like comes from all over the world. Like I said, we do a beef noodle soup. We're doing lamb euros. We're doing all, you know, we do stuff from everywhere. And so. that's on the brunch menu. Tell me about a, tell me about a dinner item, dinner dish that you're really proud of. Something that maybe has an exotic twist or something super local, super Brooklyn. Uh, that people might be uh, tantalized to hear about. There's a few a few things we do. I mean, like I said, I think on paper our food sounds really straightforward and, and simple, but we take the the time to, and we go through the pains to make everything from scratch. So we have a bread program here. We do our own breads. We make sourdough. We make focaccia. We make pita. We make a lot of different types of breads. Um, my man Paul, who's working as my chef brought in this program he's like hey i'm just gonna make this out of boredom basically and it turned out to be like probably like the number one draw for people when they come here it's like oh the breads the breads the breads i can i can attest to this as well you've, yeah you've, you've <laughs> I've been, i think you've taken home loaves I've, of bread i've, I've, I've literally I, and i don't know if paul if paul wanted me to share but i've literally taken loaves of bread home because they are so They're delicious awesome. and and I, I thought it was a pretty cool anecdote and you know I, in my day job we talk a lot about innovation right mm -hmm. innovation new ideas and you actually said that this bread program, as we're now calling it, actually happened out of something that was completely happenstance. So yeah, just a little bit yeah, of uh, so, meat on that bone. So we were, when we initially opened, we were a, a little bit delayed in getting our liquor license. So, but I wanted to get open. I wanted to give the kitchen a chance to sort of like purr a little bit. Um, so we started opening. We do five, six, seven people would come in. We're like, whoa, cool. We got you know <laughs> people play. to cook for. Yeah, it was really fun. So we would start to cook for them. And we, but we had a lot of downtime at this point. So Paul, uh, who's my chef again, like came in with the idea, hey, I'm gonna bake some breads today and let's just see where it goes. And so he baked a few breads and like, I was like, dude, I've never had bread like this in my life. This is like better bread than I get from the best bakeries and the best restaurants I've eaten at. This is incredible, man. Like, let's, let's get this going. So right. he figured out a way to like slowly integrate it um, to where now we have a, like I, I call it a program, but every day he comes in, first thing he does is, you know, feed the starter, 
get the sourdough going, get the focaccias going, get all these doughs going, and then like throughout the day, the place smells like bread. It's incredible. Absolutely. Um, I, I, even at two o'clock in the afternoon when you yeah. come three hours before open. Yeah, it's amazing. The breads, the, and then so, and so what we tried to do is we formatted a couple of dishes that are, are really based around those breads. And I think probably our, uh, the, the dish that's been received the best and is easily our top seller is our burrata. Absolutely. So I get a burrata that's, uh, we get it imported actually, because I, I tried making it and like mine turned out fine, but the You're one like, that I imported- I'm a chef, but I'm not a burrata Well, this, this burrata they bring in is so good. So we get an importer from Italy twice a week um, and it's fantastic. We make a roasted sweet potato. We do like a smoked tomato jam. We make a pesto with almonds and basil. We do a, a fig and balsamic gastrique. We garnish it with some baby basil leaves and yeah. some pine nuts and all this kind of, or not pine, sorry, uh, with some sesame seeds. The visual is real. But it's like, it's a beautiful, it looks stunning. It's got all these colors and textures and then we serve it with our homemade bread. And so people get that and like, no matter what happens to them after, they can get a divorce after that, like in the <laughs> restaurant and they would leave happy anyway. We're not encouraging divorce. Not encouraging divorce, no, but like <laughs> I've seen people get like, have the burrata, they'll end up having some fight about something because we're an open place. We see everything that happens. So you get a couple that might argue about something, but they've had the burrata and they end up leaving hand in hand and super happy and saying thanks to the kitchen and all that stuff. So that's a dish that I think is probably like, would describe who we are because it's an Italian style dish, but at the end of the day, we add all these components to it that don't make it Italian. It makes it completely its own, its own, uh, uh, I don't know, its own category of type of food. Definitely. I, I can, I can attest that this particular dish that Scott's talking about is truly one of those. If you want to go on a, let's stop at five places through the night mm. and just have one thing. Um, it's not necessarily the best thing on the menu. I've had some fish dishes here that are tremendous, but it's one of those things that if you want a slam dunk starter, come here, get this dish. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. So switching gears a little bit to, we've talked about your menu, things that are on the menu. Let's go off menu. Uh, you, you actually told me something I thought was, uh, was perfect and literally set up for this. Why don't you tell, tell the audience a little bit about something that you're cooking up or planning to cook up that's not found on the menu right now. <laughs> well, uh, coincidentally, I think when you arrived today, um, we are, we're trying to be like a zero waste kitchen and restaurant in general. We don't use straws, obviously, that's kind of the, the hip thing, I guess, but we haven't been used, we never use straws. We really steer clear of any plastic uh, as much as we can. And we try to utilize every one of the ingredients we bring in. So. Prior to you coming in this morning, I uh, was cleaning some beef short ribs that we're braising from one of the dishes that's on our menu. I also have a dog. Uh, my dog's name is Otis. So you can, you can figure out that, yeah, he, we named the place after him. Um, and I get often teased by my staff members like that he eats better than, than they do. Okay. And so I took all these beef scraps that I'd made from the short ribs and we chopped up some carrots and I had some barley and oats and a bunch of other cool things that the dog likes to eat. And I was making a stew on the on the stove top i think when you walk by and so you pointed out like whoa that looks great like what's you know what's this for and i was like that's actually for the puppy at home you know like so he's going to be eating a uh, beef short rib and and barley stew for dinner but it's basically using the you know the scraps of the carrots that i had left over and like just basically scraps uh, but it, we, you can turn those things into something that even my chef Paul is like, hey, I think I'm going to have some of that for, for my lunch today. 100%. So, you know, so we tr we're trying to do that like as much as possible. We, we try to utilize every component of a product, whether that's with my bar program. And they do a lot of cool things uh, as far as like dehydrating fruits and making syrups and oleos and all these kinds of things that they incorporate into our really awesome cocktail program. Absolutely. I, I, I had a really unique experience in Nashville recently. I was there and went to 
they consider themselves a zero waste bar. Mm -hmm. And I learned, quite frankly, about a lot of the things that you just talked about. Rehydrating, dehydrating, rehydrating mm -hmm. fruits. Sure. Uh, the, the plastic straws thing, I think, is, uh, yeah. I don't want to say a dead horse. It's still a very relevant topic. But sure. I, I thought it was a, a really interesting anecdote that, you know, of course, you're cooking food for the dog's name's Otis. Yeah. But it's all a concept around being a sustainable That's establishment right. and actually That's having right. the, the ability to use all of the animal, use all yep. of the vegetable. Yep. Uh, and I think what's unique about that is you really can get flavors out of those pieces of the animal oh, or sure. vegetable or fruit that you wouldn't get from those main cuts. Absolutely. That's, that's a huge part of it as well. Uh, going back to sort of the bar program, like we, so we used to come in and like the guy would chop, you know, all sorts of fruit garnishes and things like that. And, you know, you'd, you'd end up with like buckets of fruits left over at the end of the night that you can't use. Lemons, limes, oranges, you know, whatever, whatever it was. I remember the days yeah. as a bartender and, myself. And so our barman's like, you know, I got an idea. Why don't we get a slicer and we can slice these beautiful discs and then we can dehydrate them. And, and then we, we usually sprinkle like whatever the garnish of the drink is. So one of our drinks is called the Bastille Bagel. What it is is basically we take cognac, we smoke wood chips, and we, we infuse that into the cognac itself. So it's a smoky cognac from the wood chips. Oh my gosh. And then we garnish that. So it's, it kind of plays in with our burrata dish. So he's taken all the flavors from the burrata dish and made it into a cocktail. Now, maybe at first you're like, whoa, hold on. I don't know about this. Tomatoes and cheese and everything bagel spice, because we actually top our focaccia bread with everything bagel spice. And he, he started to, it started to play in his head a little bit. So he created this cocktail with, you know, a smoked tomato honey and, the, or sorry, tomato honey with the smoked cognac. And then he does a lemon uh, disc that has this everything bagel spice that's dehydrated into it oh as the garnish. Gosh. So we have zero waste with that. Like the guy has all these beautiful chips to play with and it looks, it looks really cool. It's aesthetically pleasing and it actually is functional with the cocktail themselves and yeah, maybe we'll uh we'll be able to take some photos of this Hope one so. and yeah, uh, yeah, share yeah, it with yeah, the audience yeah, a little yeah, bit sure. i think it, if if we don't get to see this now i think a lot <laughs> a lot of people including myself will be disappointed we'll get there yeah uh so so continuing to stay off menu but now really off menu not just what are you cooking outside of cooking things for otis but I know that people, especially the restaurateurs, the chefs, the owners, the operators of these places, they spend a lot of time, a lot of time. And the question sort of, uh, sort of is ill time considering you just opened for brunch, yeah. meaning you're going to spend more time at Otis. Yep. Congratulations to you and the team. <laughs> um, but if you did have more hours in a day, what would you be doing? What else would you be doing? I, th I think eating out would be one thing. Yeah, uh, definitely, definitely eating out's one thing. Um, I'm, I moved to New York 11 years ago from Los Angeles, and I have still strong ties there with family and lots of friends and everybody. So when we get a little, a little chance to take a break and get away, we, I, I was just there actually a couple of weeks ago and visiting family and friends. And one of the things I really miss is like outdoor activities. So like we went down to, my family lives in Venice Beach, so we went down to the beach, we played some paddle ball, and we played tennis, and we ran on the beach and swim and surf and all that kind of stuff. So yeah. that, that's sort of in my blood, and I definitely miss having that ability to do that here with the seasons we have. It's obviously a bit cold to be out swimming in the ocean oh, right now. Oh, you can now. still go to the ocean, You Scott. can do, you can <laughs> certainly do it. I, and I, to be honest with you, I, it's not, I wouldn't be the, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't gone in and gone swimming recently in the ocean. Oh, wow. And it's freezing, but anyway, I like to do that kind of stuff. So anyway, we, my wife and I are taking on some like activities together, like tennis, for instance. So we're playing tennis, taking, le we took a lesson yesterday, which is the first time in my life I've ever taken a lesson Excellent. for any sport, but that was like a lot of fun to get involved in that. Um, we, uh, we like to socialize quite a bit. So we have a, we had a potluck dinner with some friends last night at their house. They invited a bunch of people over. And of course I, I didn't know what to bring. 
And they invite me thinking, oh, wow. oh the, chef, yeah, no, the chef's coming like, oh man. So everybody picks up their game a little bit, even though I kind of laugh. I'm like, man, no matter what you make for me, I'm going to enjoy it. I just love having other people cook. Sure. I think it's amazing when people put the effort in to, to try making things. So we were sat around and I brought over a loaf of uh, sourdough bread and a tray of focaccia bread because I had that ready from, from experimenting yesterday. And of course, thanks. the whole, yeah. The whole place is like, oh man, this is amazing. The bread, the bread, the bread, the bread. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I didn't actually make it like my, my man Paul made it. But Paul, anyways. Paul and the bread programmer Paul's are a recurring program. That's, I'm here. telling you, man, it's been, it's been amazing. It's such a blessing to have that going on here because it's really made us stand out. Um, but outside of that, like I, again, like you, you said it before, we're here all the time. I'm here early in the morning. I usually don't go home till after midnight. Um, I do have a dog at home who's just about two and a half years old. So he still needs a lot of attention. Uh, we get him out, running him, run him around. His favorite place is actually the beach. So we try to take him to the beach, especially in the winter time where he, there's nobody else there and he can just kind of run at it and have fun. Okay, cool. Uh, so those are some activities we do. Like I said, sports, athletic things. Totally into that. So, so a yes, no question. If another dog comes, do you have to open another restaurant? Oh, I think yes. I, I think the answer is yes. I think we have, to, we have to get a dog at least for my wife's sake. She's been begging me to get another dog for a while. So, so she gets a dog and you get a restaurant. Well, we try to share everything, you know. <laughs> we would both get the dog and we would both do the restaurant. We're both, we both kind of play equal roles and all that stuff. So our we'll, lives are very much together. We'll make sure to send her a copy of this uh, with Please a PS love <laughs> yeah. note. Yeah, note to, note to Scott's wife. She, she loves you, baby. <laughs> big time. Um, so one section left before we wrap it up. Um, it's called 86th. You know the restaurant industry term sure. 86, yeah. right? We What's, don't use it very often here, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> any, any particular reason why? Or do we you try, try to keep things in we, stock? Yeah, I mean, we have such a limited, I say limited. We, we try to keep our menu very, very tight uh, for several reasons. One, we like to make sure that everything gets our utmost attention. So we're very detail-oriented with our dishes. If I have a menu that has 30 dishes on it, there's like likelihood that some of those dishes aren't moving very often. And secondly, they didn't quite get the full attention and love that we should give it. Sure. So our sure. menu is like 10, 12 items, maybe maximum. So everything gets love and attention and focus on it. It also allows us to keep things fresh. And if we do run out of something, which is very rare, it's usually right back on the next day. Um, but we try not to 86 because again, if you come in and there's only 10 dishes to choose from, and then you're missing two of them. Exactly. Kind of like, it's okay, tough. what are my options here now? Um, the other thing we try to do also is I, this day and age is a lot of vegetable people, lots of vegetarians. So we try to focus very much so on the produce side of things. Uh, and produce side of things, like they're really good and fresh for a day or two, but we get order, orders in every day. I get a delivery with all kinds of produce and things to work with. That way we keep the menu fresh again and try not to run out of things. So uh, I'm not sure where you're going with your 86 yeah, question. Yeah, the, 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 question, <laughs> the question is actually oriented. I, I think it's a one observation from that though is, I think it's very much so not just a trend, but really a movement. And it ties directly into the sustainability idea sure. by reducing the number of things on your menu. You reduce the complexity, ergo, you reduce the waste yeah. um, because Absolutely. if something's not moving, yeah. then, you know, if you have 40 things on the menu, it's a lot harder with, sure. you know, brunch schedules, business schedules, opening new restaurants, getting new dogs yeah. uh, <laughs> to actually weigh all those things. So, yeah. but the, the question is more, what thing do you wish you could 86 from customer behavior? Uh, and that doesn't have to just be specifically with Otis. That could be a, a, a trend that you see in the dining industry more broadly. 
Um, and this could be something that you would adjust slightly. Um, I think this podcast is an example, right? Where I'd probably get rid of podcasts, actually. No, <laughs> <laughs> no to uh, editing out. Yeah, just, <laughs> no, uh, in all honesty, like I, nothing comes to mind. There, there are some things that frustrate me. Uh, mainly when I'm out, it doesn't happen here very often, but like, you know, when the photographs become more important than the actual dish you're eating, because when you go out to eat, for me, I go out to eat because I want to eat. I want to try sample, I want to drink as well. I like to try cocktails, I like to try wine, I like to try as many dishes as possible. So one of the things that we uh, had to focus on when we opened Otis was creating a menu where people could come in and order multiple things without like running their checkup to hundreds of dollars, you know, to sit and eat a meal. So that would happen to me. We, my wife and I go out to eat, the menu would come and I'd be like, we'll take this, 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 that, that, and that. And she's like, you just ordered six entrees, man. Like, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, but they all sound really good. Like, exactly. You I want to try them. to do a little more tasting menu. <laughs> yeah. Style. So I, I like it when you can get it, you know, even if the portion size, like we still get really liberal portions. Like people I, come I in can, and I'm, nobody ever leaves, so well. nobody ever leaves hungry. Uh, but also their, their checkbook's not hurt too bad because, it, you know, price points are pretty, pretty fair. Um, but one of the things you see people come out and they order all this food and they spend eight minutes arranging it and then they take pictures from all angles and all that and granted it could be great exposure for the restaurant because if they're posting on their social media outlets people see that people get you know people love to I guess to check out what other people are eating Absolutely. fair enough but I would like to see people maybe do that like a little with a little bit more urgency because a lot of the times like we don't do food to go I don't do delivery or food to go because my food is best eaten the moment it comes In out of the kitchen restaurant. right then like I serve it to you we explain what it is. By the time I walk back to the kitchen, which is usually four or five steps, I am hoping that you're already diving into it and getting into it. And not framing the yeah, photo like take And again, like I said, take your pictures if you need to, but do it, do it understanding that that food has a lifespan as well. So, you know, you get sat down this dish and you take a few bites of it and, you know, or you take a bunch of pictures of it first and then you want to take a few bites of it afterwards. You're, at that point, the food's already been sat on the table for eight or 10 minutes no, sometimes. So. I, I think it's a, it's a completely accurate answer to the question. And I think, yeah. you know, that's part, of the, that's part of the reason we do this is to not only so that they can learn a little bit about what Otis is doing, but also get the perspective of the chef. What sure. things do the chefs like to see and what do they don't? And maybe you get a burrata tossed in if you take less photos. There you go. Um, no, and we, and we do, like here in particular, we encourage interaction. So, we, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of instigate conversations with guests just to, to get a feedback from them. Find out what it is that, that they like. What is intriguing about this restaurant? How do they hear about us? Why are they here? Oh, because our friends came in last night. Like, that's the best story I ever get is when the people are here and, and I don't recognize them. Shares it all. Yeah, and I'm like, hey, like, thanks for coming in. Like, you know, what do you, you know, how'd you find us here? Because we're kind of in the middle of nowhere. Absolutely. And they're like, oh, yeah, our friends, you know, blah, 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 came in last night and they loved it and they said we had to come, so we're here. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, that's the best kind of like uh, pat on the back we can get is when other people send their friends in because that 100%. shows a lot of trust and love, you know? So, 100%. I would encourage that. I wouldn't 86 that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we, we'll have to come up with another phrase for what do we keep on the menu. What do we keep on? Hey, there we go. Yeah, what are we, 60, 68ing it. 60, we got a 68 something. Last go. question What's your favorite way to close a service? glass of wine uh is there a is there a certain greeting or salutation or or farewell that you give to a customer a certain song that you play something that says this is the end of the night i'm happy i'm doing this job usually my end of the night comes long after everybody else's end of the night has happened as far as our guests are concerned but for me the perfect end of the night for the guests especially is getting a hug like honestly like i can't tell you how often People will walk back, oh, thank you so much, guys. It was amazing. What a great meal. You know, and it's just like, 
all of a sudden we're standing looking at each other like, did I just, they're like, did I just hug you? I'm like, it's fine. You can have another hug. Like, cause that shows awesome. me that they, that what we're trying to do here really worked, that they felt comfortable. They felt that they were at ease. They were at home. They were enjoying themselves like guests at my house. 100%. And you know, that happens. And so you know, that's probably the best thing I can say. Hugs at the end of the night. It's Let's the hug it out. Hug it out, brother. Good to have you here. Hey, man. Thanks great so much. to have you here. Thanks appreciate a lot, man. Yeah, I really appreciate your time. Pleasure. Yeah. Hey, enjoyed it. Thanks for having us. Thanks, everybody. We'll uh, catch you next time on Dig In. Thank you.